Today I want us to have a look at uh, the subject of time and seasons. A few days ago I was waiting upon God and I just felt I should prepare some messages on, on time, such an important element and factor in our lives, and seasons. We all go through different seasons in our own personal lives and sometimes churches go through different seasons. And just like the seasons of, the, of life in uh, the natural world, spring, summer, autumn and winter, we, we all go through spring times and autumn times and winters and summers, etc. And uh, I, I was quite amazed as I began to look at this subject of time and seasons, uh, just to see how many times, how much the Bible has to say about this subject. Uh, so seldom is it preached on. People touch on time from time to time and seasons, but very few sermons are preached, especially in the more recent days, on this important subject of time and seasons. Um, not only do we as individuals go through different seasons, but even churches, the church you in. And unless we understand the times and the seasons and we understand what God's trying to do in and through them, unless we become like the sons of Issachar, uh, as uh, 1 Chronicles 12.32 tells us, says the sons of Issachar who understood the times and knew what to do about it, how to handle them. And so I'm hoping that this study today and over the next few days will be a very helpful and um, tool in your hand to help you to understand and how to negotiate your way through in your own personal life, your family life, church life, etc., etc., so, first of all, before we read, and I'm asking you just to turn to Ezekiel, to the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 3, and we're going to read the first 14 verses. Um, just a couple of comments to say, first of all, that God has allocated uh, or allotted to every person a certain amount of time for us to be here on earth. And... Uh, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse the first eight verses, verses 1 through to 8, we see that God established time. On the day when he, somewhere in those eight verses, when he eventually says there's light, there's dark, there's day and night, time was established. God established time. And in that creation, he also established seasons. So time is temporal and, the, and it relates to people, and eternity is eternal, and it relates to God. The temporal time is what can be seen, and the eternal has no beginning and no end. And it cannot be seen, the eternal, right now, outside of the, seeing them by the eyes of faith. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, just a little verse. I'd like to just drop in here, says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporal, but what is unseen is eternal. So before we look at our text, I'd like to just also say that time has a beginning and it has an end. There was eternity, and then God established time, and time will come to an end, and we'll, 
time is just fitted into into eternity. And so time is a factor <clears throat> which has a beginning and an end. And that's true for every individual, for every animal, for all of life, every area of life. There's a beginning and there's an end. And uh, that is not so for the Creator. God had no beginning and He has no end. The Bible tells us that clearly. In the beginning, God, He was there. And it tells us that Jesus is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, and everything in between. And that Hebrews 13, 8 says, speaks about Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, for all of us, and all things on earth, there's a beginning and there's an end. You can have a look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. There's a first and the last, who is God, uh, Revelation 22, 13. Another little comment before we read our text is that time in itself can do nothing for us. People say, well, we just need time. Time will heal this, or given time, this will happen, or that will. In actual fact, time can do nothing. Time is just a framework in which God gives us opportunity for, for things to work out and for us to be able to take a hold of what he has for us and experience it, live in it, and enjoy it. And it actually, in, in many senses, time just is an opportunity, a framework in which there are possibilities and potential that we have to lay hold of. And so, in itself, though, time can do nothing for itself. In itself, it's a framework. I want to just say that again. Uh, but it's a framework in which things can happen, time, but what happens in time, for you and for me, for our church, etc., what happens in time has eternal ramifications. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, that is, while we had time here on earth, our lives, whether they did were good or they were bad. And so when our time on this earth ends, the doors of opportunity for salvation and all the potential and all the opportunities that God has given to us, for us when our time on earth ends, all those opportunities, all that potential is closed. No more opportunities. Uh, Hebrews 9.27 says this, A man is destined to die once, and after that, the judgment. Matthew 25, uh, verses 10 to through to 13, if you were to read about the wise and the foolish virgins, they had time and they didn't seize the opportunities and they weren't ready for when time ran out for them. And it says this in, in, in Matthew 25, just a little portion, but while they, the, the foolish virgins, virgins, were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived, the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. And so the doors of all the opportunities that God is providing for us, all the potential that God has invested in us and around us will be closed forever. There's no second chances. Chances. So maybe what I should do, because I, I really want to keep God's people free, you as a leader in the church, you as a member of the church, you as a father of a home or a mother of a home, 
or a family member, whatever you are, as a believer, I want you to be kept free. So maybe we should just turn and read in Romans chapter 8, a few of the verses there that, I, 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 that I'd like to highlight some of the things there that keep us free. Because when we talk about time and eternity, and when we talk about opportunities and potential, and the, the times, the, the, the opportunities we've missed and the potential we didn't rise up to, we can come into so much condemnation and guilt. And God doesn't want us to be like that. God wants to set us free. And that's why I'm preaching this message, not to make us bad, feel bad, but for us to, to actually rise up and lay hold of the potential and, and grab and grasp firmly every opportunity, walk through every open door, run until the day or the last day of our lives here on earth. And just to remember that in it all, God does not condemn us. He's there to forgive us if we'll face it and say, right, I want to change from this moment on. So let's just read in Romans chapter third, uh, chapter 8, you know these verses well. I'm, but actually for me, I believe that every believer should read the, this, cha these, uh, this chapter, well, the book of Romans regularly, but this chapter 8, we need to read it at least like once a month or something, read it regularly. But it says this in verse 28, and we know that in all things, and we know that in all things. Now, remember when he started this chapter, chapter 8, he says, therefore, there is now, now, right now, that is now, right, I'm speaking to you right at this moment, that now will still be now, when I finish this message in 20 minutes, half an hour's time, that now will still be now, when I preach the second part of this message, and so we could go on. There is therefore now, that's an eternal now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through, the, through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. And so it goes on. Now we pick up in this 28th verse, and we know, we know, and we know, not we hope, we know that in all, A-L-L, -L, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, so that, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, all those predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge? against those who God has chosen. That's you. That's me. Us. It is God who justifies. It is he who, who that, uh, who is he that condemns Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things 
we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, and I am too, and I hope you can say this from your heart, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation, that covers just everything, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So let me highlight a few of those things just to keep us always free. First of all, some of these promises that God provided for, there's no condemnation, even if we fail. All our past sins, present sins, and future sins taken care of through Jesus Christ forever. So there is no condemnation, even if we fail, we fall, and we sin. Secondly, I want to remind you that God works everything for our good. That even when we fail, God's able to turn that. He's even able to turn the wrath of man to that which will praise him. So he works everything for our good. Thirdly, he's for us. And anyone who is against us has already lost. If God be for us, who can be against us? If he did not spare his one and only son, but gave him up for us. So he is for us and anyone against us has already lost. Fourthly, Jesus never stops praying for us. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Right now, even while I'm preaching this message, he is for us, praying for us. <clears throat> Fifthly, we're more than conquerors. We're not just conquerors, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us, through Christ. And then there's this wonderful promise too. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord, and so much more. So let's have a look at some of these things now in the Word of God from the book of Ecclesiastes. And while I, there's so much on the subject of time and, and seasons that I'm not going to be able to go into too many or too much and cover it all, but I want to highlight some I believe, major points for us. And if you're serious about your life and your time here on earth, on earth and uh, if you're serious about the potential that God has invested in you and wanted, you wanted to accomplish and be as fruitful as you possibly can, if you're serious about all the opportunities that God has given to you and is going to provide for you even from today onward, well, I want to just suggest you study more on the subject of time and seasons if you really are serious about that. So let's have a look at some of these things now in our text in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. He says this, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. And so it goes on. Because we're going to touch different verses from time to throughout here, I'm just going to stop there and touch that, those first two if I can, or at least one, a time to be born and a time to die. If you're listening to me now, you, you've been born. You were born somewhere, and so time for you started with the day you were born. Uh, everything has a start, a beginning, and everything under the heavens will have an ending. But let's have a look at this time to be born, the beginning of earthly life. Interesting thing about that, when I was thinking about that, 
God just reminded me of Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, which is part of the call of God on my life. Uh, right from the beginning, the early days, this is what God spoke to me when I was first ordained into ministry. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says, Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you a whatever it is that God's called you to. So God has purposes for our lives that were in his heart before you were even born. He knew you, he appointed you, and uh, set you apart with these purposes. And we know that Jeremiah, is it Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us that God's plans are plans for good. They've plans to give us hope, a future, and expected into prosperous and not to harm us. And so it goes on. So even John the baptizer, you read it in, uh, I think it's in, in, in John's gospel, where it says that John was even filled with the Holy Spirit while he was in his mother's womb. So this is an, we're living an incredible life. We've been, we're so blessed as God's people. God says, Dudley, before you were born, I knew you and I appointed you. I chose you and I predestined things for your life. Now, here's time, the framework I'm giving you for you to go out and realize your potential and seize every opportunity, every open door that I give to you. And uh, unfortunately, I have to say, I haven't always done that. I, you know, when I look back over my life prior to coming to Christ, maybe you can do that with you. Just stop for a moment and think about your life pre-conversion. I can look back and I can see so many times when God was after me, hot after me, going hard after me, and I just totally ignored it. I didn't realize quite what it was, but God was going after me. And even since I've come to Christ, I look back now and see the times that God opened doors for me. Uh, some of the potential was being able to, would have been able to be released. The stuff that God's put in me, that it was in his heart before I was born. And unfortunately, I didn't always seize those opportunities. And maybe you could look at yourself, your own life, and you have to say, well, you know, actually, Dudley, that's true. That's for me too. Um, but let's just say, can I just ask you a question now? Have you genuinely entered into God's purposes and plans for your life? Or are you still operating in the plans and purposes for your, for your life that you've decided, not His plans and purposes? Why don't you right now, while you're listening to me speak, just say, God, I repent of that. I can see you gone, gone hard after me. I can look back and see so many times you were opening doors for me, giving, wanting to release potential, uh, just giving me so many possibilities, open doors all over the place, and somehow I just ignored them or missed them. So there's a time to, to be born. I want to try and just finish this little session with a time to die, maybe. I was hoping to get to the time to plant and to uproot, but we'll just have, maybe have to finish on this, this first message on a time to be born and there's a time to die. Now, there's a lot we could say about the time to die, but I want to talk about two things, highlight them for a moment. There's a time to die physically, and secondly, 
there's a time to die to your self-centeredness, your your preoccupation with yourself and to start to live for Christ. So let's have a look at the first one, a time to die. James 4.14 tells us, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. As I said earlier, when that happens, it's all over. You don't get another chance. And what a tra- tragedy to have missed God's best for your life. I was just thinking of Matthew chapter 25. You could read this for yourself and get it into your heart by the Spirit of God. But in Matthew 25 and verses 31 through to 46, you remember Jesus says that when I, you, when I was in prison, when I was hungry, when I was thirsty, when I was naked, etc., etc., you didn't do things for me. And he also gives the positive that when I was hungry and thirsty and in prison, etc., you did these things for me. And the question is, when did we, didn't we do it and when did we do it? And he said, well, when you did it to one of these, the least of my brethren, you did it to me. You see, all of these things are possibilities and potentials. And they're the things that are God's best for us. So God's really saying, in a sense, through that in Matthew 25, that all the possibilities I'm giving you and all the potential that I'm releasing in you to want to release through you, don't miss it. It'll be a tragedy. God's intentions for us are for good, but good intentions will mean nothing and count for nothing when we stand before him. We only have a certain amount of time here on earth. You could read read in Psalm 90, verse 10, Genesis 6, chapter 6, verse 3. And those two scriptures tell us that either, like when, uh, when uh, Moses was saying, it's the, the years allotted to me of just three score years and ten, and if by reason of hope, four score. So somewhere between 70, and then God tells us in Genesis 6, 3, that I've allocated 120 years. So somewhere between 70 and 120 years is the general kind of where most people in God's plans seem to be how long we have on this earth. Now, many, unfortunately, die long before age 70. Some die at birth. And many are murdered before birth. But the normal lifespan seems to be somewhere between 70 and 120 years. Acts chapter 17, verse 26, wonderful part of the Word of God, that God has chosen where we, where we stay, how long we stay, and it says this, God determines the exact times, times and places for us to dwell. Psalm 139, verses 15 and 16, I'm just going to read a part of that, says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book, before one of them came to be. And therefore, Psalm 90, verse 12, is a prayer we should often pray. It says, teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So we've only got a certain amount of time on earth, and nobody knows what it is but God, to seize every opportunity, seize every, uh, and release every potential within us. I hope you're getting that. And then, just quickly, to close this message off, We need also to die to our self-centered life and begin to wholeheartedly follow Christ if we're not doing it already. 
<clears throat> and that's an ongoing till the rest for the rest of our lives till Jesus comes back process. John 12, 24 and 25. I'll say, maybe I just should read them to you. I was going to say, just go and have a look at them for yourself. But John tells us in, in chapter 12, verses 24 and 25. I'll quickly read them to you. He says, it's very important scripture. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it. The man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal, for it, keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. So Jesus is telling us there's a sense that we need to die to ourselves, otherwise we just stay in isolation, just one seed. But if we'll die to ourselves, we'll see many seeds being produced. And then again, also in uh, Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus actually says, if you love even your mother, your father, your whoever more than me, you cannot be my disciple. So we need to die even if hold if we're trying to save our lives, we're going to be in trouble. We just need to be willing to say, here I am, Lord. I just want to serve you all out forever. So you've got a life, time. It's a season, one of the seasons, a time to live and a time to die. The season of your life, the season, I would like to have said a little more about this, but I can't on about your church, the church you're in right now, whether you're leading it or just a part of it, it's got a life. It started, it's going to end. Seize every opportunity. All the potential God has invested in you and in your church. Make sure you let God find a way to release it through you by your simple obedience to him and acknowledging, God, I see the season, I see this time, I'm grateful for it, and I want to just yield my life to you and I want to yield the people in the church that I'm leading, if I'm a leader in the church, to you. And I want to ask you, please, to help all of us to realize in the, within this framework of time, everything you have for us planned in eternity so that your name may be glorified. We may be able to stand before you one day and hear that wonderful, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. God's blessing be upon you. Bless us, Father, we pray, all of us together. Help us to live well and discern the times and what we should do in them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Jesus, love.